The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Greetings, this is Pastor Doug Kringle here with ELM Ministries. We are at the Engaging Truth program. And our guest today is Judy Glennie. And we have a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. And we look forward to you, listener, joining us in this conversation. Uh, Recently, there was an article. It's more of an academic article by a a professor from Hillsdale College. His name's Christopher Rufo. And it was uh, volume 52, number nine, on October 2023. Impress is the name of the journal. And the topic was Inside the Transgender Empire. Now, my understanding is this conversation discussion has become quite an academic discussion. Uh, Professor Christopher Rufo is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. But let me just ask some very uh, introductory level questions. His title was Inside the Transgender Empire. Is there really an empire? I believe there is. This is uh, the transgender movement is very broad reaching because it encircles um, a political agenda. It, It includes a social agenda, educational agenda, economic agenda. So, yes, I do believe that it truly is a very deeply rooted empire in our culture today. So forgive me, I'm uh, new to the topic, and I'm going to ask some very just simple beginner questions. So thank you for your patience. Mm-hmm. What exactly does the term transgender refer to? Well, actually, transgender is a broad term, meaning that uh, people want to identify their gender according to their feelings. Uh they have uh, assumed that there is a disconnect between their physical being and their their mental uh, association to what they think they should be. So they ought to uh, identify mostly as the opposite sex to bring their um, physical or mental in congruent with each other. I'm no medical doctor. Is there a medical definition in addition to what you were just sharing? Or is that pretty much the medical definition too, as far as you know? I haven't heard a true medical definition. If you're referring to to the scientific, that I think is is the general uh, meaning of transgender that is pretty much accepted. Uh, so if there is a, a transgender uh, definition in a medical dictionary or uh, procedure, I, I am not aware of it, but that's generally what transgender refers to. Now, um, there are some other terms that were used in the article, like gender affirming care. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any help on what that means? Oh, my goodness. 
Unfortunately, this is what has come to be, again, the standard operating procedure, as it were, for children especially. So when a child or, or an individual uh, says that they would like to, or they identify as the opposite sex, they are then giving the opportunity to get the care that they assume they need mentally, physically, and, soci and socially uh, to uh, affirm that they truly are on the right track in transgendering or going into that opposite gender. So when we say it, this is this is what has become the the crux of the whole educational system, truly, is that when a child uh, comes to a teacher or a counselor or anyone in, in authority and and they present themselves as wanting to identify, then they are automatically given this gender, the opposite gender care that they assume they need. Okay, so it does not come with a, some kind of blood test or physiological, it's a uh, self-analyzed and uh, self-proclaimed status. Uh, there exactly. was also a term called social construct that uh, that something about gender as a term, then, then they say it's a social construct. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. What does that term mean? Well, first of all, we have to to uh, differentiate the, the term sex and gender. We know there are two biological sexes. You are born either a male or a female. That is your physical, your biological determination at birth. That's your sex. Gender is generally referring to your um, your mental um, feeling, as it were, either as a male or a, a female. So when we say that uh, the the essentially society has set up, um, I would say uh, boundaries, if you if you prefer. May, what males are and what females are. So these are the constructs of what has been determined socially as what uh, females do and are and what males do and are. And this is what the activists are really um, battling, is that they want to take away all these boundaries and say everybody is... Uh, neutral, or we can determine what uh, what gender we really want to be and want to be identified as, even though the the sex determined at birth may be different. So this comes along with uh, let me one last term here to be clarifying uh, mm -hmm. a personal identity, mm -hmm. personal identity is somehow related to social contra, uh, construct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is this uh, a personal identity? Personal identity basically says, I want to be such and such. I feel I am this, regardless of what my physical appearance may portray, 
I feel this is what I identify as. And uh, it, it's to me, it, 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 it's really uh, an, I shouldn't say it's, it's a, a, an opposite because in saying that I, I don't want to be identified as this or this, they actually do because the transgender movement has said, oh, even though you are a male physically, you really are a female. And this is what a female looks like. This is what a female dresses like. This is what a female does. So in that, they are actually putting a social construct on what they think this person should identify as. So it, it, it really is a conundrum, I believe, in this cool. whole transgender area. So I'm understanding so far that there is a, a transgender empire that mm -hmm. there is a, a use of terms of gender affirming care, transgender mm -hmm. uh, study, social construct, personal identity. These type of things are studied academically in uh, what's called transgender studies. Mm -hmm. And while that might be what was discussed by Professor Christopher Rufo's article, mm -hmm. you come at it from a different direction. It's not a not an academic pursuit mm -hmm. of yours. Am I understanding this correct? And correct. Could you share with us how you do come uh, to uh, be concerned about this topic? My story begins many years before all of this really uh, comes about in this very um, uh, broad way and uh, in the spotlight, as it were, today. Uh, my son uh, came to me and said, Mom, I'm a girl. And this was back in the early uh, 2000s. So this was way before any, uh, as you say, the gender affirming care or any counselors or anything of that nature. I had no idea what he was talking about. I, I told him, you were born a boy. I know that you're a boy. But he says, I think I'm a girl. So... I had no, like I said, no clue as to what this was. And I, at that stage, I thought, truly, was there a disconnect between what he it was born as physically and what he is thinking or what he really is? Is it, is it physiological? Is it physical? Is it chemical? Is there something there that really is causing this disconnect that he is feeling? I had no no one to turn to. There was really no information about it. So I had to kind of bump along, as it were, and find out really what this was all about. As I began to learn about this, uh, I began to, to understand that it was truly his own feeling that was leading. And there was no physiology. You were not born a transgender. Uh, you are either male or female all the way through physically, physiologically, emotionally. Uh, and you do not turn, you cannot be, uh, you cannot change your sex. So uh, my story then uh, led me to uh, understand, like I said, more about this. But unfortunately, because at that time, the fortunately or unfortunately, there was no way that he could get uh, what he wanted 
in that area. He didn't get the gender affirming care outside of maybe his peers, uh, but he wanted surgery and that was not a possibility. So he told me that if he could not live life as a woman, he would not live it at all. And so therefore, uh, just a few months before his 20th birthday, he took his life. So I began to look more into this as it became more and more in the spotlight. I became more and more interested into what this really is because of that, uh, of what had happened in our family. I felt more people really needed to have this information about what is happening in our society and in our culture and particularly in our children. Well, I'm so sorry for your loss. This is a, clearly also a grief issue. This is not an academic discussion. This is a very personal discussion here. Mm -hmm. So God's peace with you. A grief does not come and just dissipate. So God's peace. If you're okay with continuing with the discussion, I do have a couple questions, if I may. Sure, sure. So when you were sharing, what age did the, the conversation begin? It began probably around his middle school years. He began to question really what, uh, what is a girl, what is a boy? And I told him a little bit about my story, how um, I was interested at an early age in things that really weren't girl things. I, I loved climbing trees. I loved strength things. I loved football. And I began to question my my own identity, as it were, as we're using it here. I thought, really, I'm doing things that girls aren't supposed to do. What about all of this? I began to question really who I was. But I knew that God created me a girl, and I am going to pursue the things that, that I wanted to pursue, even though I'm a girl. I had no qualms about being a boy, I wanted to be, but I knew that there that was not possible. So I started to relate this to him in hopes that he would understand that it's okay to do things that aren't in this as we are using this this social construct. So if you like to do things that aren't necessarily boyish, that's fine. Do them as a boy. So my understanding is that you were giving empathetic listening to your son uh, it's not just empathetic but very personal sharing of your own story uh, bringing yourself into uh, being uh, open with him and somewhat vulnerable your own self mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that's very different than uh, someone who was bullied that right. doesn't sound like your son was bullied by you or uh you mentioned some friends of his that had influence on him. Uh, it, we earlier talked about social construct. Mm -hmm. So this means somehow it's socially founded. And so his social engagement with his own mother, were there any other social aspects here in addition to your voice in the conversation with your son? Oh, absolutely. Peers uh, or other groups? Yes, his peers particularly. They were all in favor of this. They had... Uh, even at that time, as it was starting to come into um, being acceptable, they had a, a good LGBTQ 
uh, organization at school, which uh, absolutely affirmed him and accepting him as a girl. So uh, again, this was something that uh, he uh, clung to and he said, okay, well, if they're okay with it, I'm okay too. And, and uh, it, it began to, to bolster him in, in that area for sure. Well, here at Engaging Truth, uh, we talk about the Bible. Mm -hmm. And uh, today I'm wearing my formal clerical. I have a service I have to attend to. So again, forgive my formality here. But mm -hmm. um, was there a role that the church had in his discussion? Did he get a chance to talk to uh, a fellow Christian, or was the Christian faith something that was in his life? Uh, was this something that he discussed at all? We discussed it, and he made it very clear. Uh, we fortunately, we uh, up until the very end, uh, we had a very open conversation. I mean, we we had a good relationship with him. Uh, which is which is great and unusual, really, as I have come to see. But uh, and I was very concerned about that area, being raised in a Christian home, and I knew that he had accepted uh, Christ as his Savior early on at a very early age. So I wanted to to know and to help me understand where he's coming from in that area. And he told me very point blank, he said, Mom, don't worry. I know where I am going. I know that I am a Christian. You don't think I understood when I was little? I did. So he was very adamant that, that he knew that his eternal destination was secure. And he even uh, evangelized his close friends and uh, in his note that he left us, he said, if you want to know any more about Jesus and about heaven, ask my dad. That's where I'm going. So well, this, this was something very affirming to us. So there was a conversation uh, about the things of God, as well as a family conversation, as well as uh, groups of peers. And these things had uh, a mix effect upon him. Yes. Uh, in his time of need, he felt open to talking to his parents. And he mentioned that's not always the case. Yes. So where would a parent, uh, where would friends, where would uh, church persons find help to to guide the kind of conversations that you've had and, and to try to avoid uh, the suicide that mm -hmm. was uh, sadly the result in your exact uh, uh, you mentioned a resource you had. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where, what is that resource? It's called the Family Policy Institute. And it's not necessarily a Christian organization, but it's a guide for parents uh, that gives them, uh, it, it's called the Parent Resource Guide. And it gives parents uh, answers to a lot of the questions that, that you were asking. What are the definitions of this? And what are the ramifications? Just a very, very good guide to what transgenderism is all about. But that's, as you say, kind of on the academic side. On our side of what you're asking about the church, first of all, we, we need to, to love them. We need to, uh, uh, to let them know that regardless of where they go with this, we will always love them. Um, 
and unfortunately, as I have said, that uh, so much now is the fact that because of the school situation, the politics of this whole thing, they are striving to, as soon as this individual comes out, they want to separate that person from their family, from anybody that does not affirm them in their identity. So, and that again was not as prevalent in, in the time that I was dealing with my son. So it's very, very difficult now. Uh, so we as, as Christians need to, first of all, know, let them know that, that we still love them. Unfortunately, we cannot condone what they are doing because we know that God has designed you as the sex that you were given at birth. God knew exactly who you are, what you are. But if we can, at all possibilities, keep the conversation open uh, and not, as you said, bully them, uh, we're not going to argue them into, into any, any change in behavior. We just need to, uh, to let them know that, that there is hope. If there is anything that they want to talk about, be reasonable with them, not condemning them, but let, letting them know truly that, that God has a plan for them in the sex and the gender that he gave them at, at birth. Well, I know within our own uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod denomination, that's the denomination I, I serve in, they recently re-released a, a, a new study. It was called A Chaste and Decent Life, an Update to Human Sexuality. It was originally presented in 1981. So they just uh, re-engaged that conversation. And that's available on the website, www.lcms.org. Uh, it's under the Commission on Theology and Church Relations. In addition, we have uh, support for pastors in what's called the uh, pastor-penitent relationship, where someone in this circumstance, I would pray, would have such a close relationship, not only with family, but with also uh, persons at their church home, that they could have a privileged conversation, mm -hmm. which is before them and God. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is, uh, it seems to me, quite rare these days. That yes. this is something that we would like to offer. We would also like to offer a brief closing word of prayer and our thanks to you, Judy, for allowing us to hear your story. Thank you so much. Thank would you, you for having me. me? <clears throat> let's let's yes. have that word of prayer. We pray. Yes. Uh, Lord in heaven, we thank you for this time of sharing in Christian fellowship. We ask you to be with Judy as she uh, shares her story. We thank you for the role of parents in this story. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us see that you are the God who's created us and sustains us and loves us and has even given your very life for us, that you might have us have new life now and eternally. Lord, we do ask you to give us your guidance from your word and that we would be able to listen empathetically, to be able to share our own story as was done here. There, there would be no bullying, but rather true care and love and compassion as uh, comes from your son, our Savior, Jesus. Now we commend today's conversation to you in Christ, our Savior's name. We pray it. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, Judy, so much. And thank you, listener, for listening in on our Engaging Truth broadcast. If you have any questions or concerns, you can connect with us at Engaging Truth or Evangelical Life Ministry. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.